0: The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 426. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com, mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. If you're listening to this now, if you're at Academy, we've got some good stuff coming up. So you want to be over there. Get that free class. Get the free ebook by signing up to my email list. Get the free things I'm giving you. know, of course, then you can support the show by purchasing one of my classes. I have a lot of classes for purchase, and that keeps this podcast free of charge. If you want to get something great out of your support, which is my classes, and support this free podcast, you can do that at McClanahan Academy. You can also click on that support tab, though, at brianmcclanahan.com. If you want to throw a pe- few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. If you want a book plate... A one of my books, I can send you an autograph that way. Buy one of my books, Southern Scribblings, my latest book, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. It's a great book, but I've got a number of others as well, uh, including my Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, which I'm going to talk about in this particular podcast, at least indirectly. You can also click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can go to learn T-R-U-E, T-R-U-E, learn True History.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Wizzle to the Classroom. Another great website where I teach with Tom and a lot of other great faculty members. And of course, share the podcast around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcasts, do everything you can to get people seeing this podcast. I mean, that's how we grow this Think Locally, Act Locally movement. And this is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode. It's a bonus episode in many ways. It's a bonus episode because uh, I only did, I didn't do any podcasts last week. I was deathly ill. and so I got two in this week, but I want to kind of catch up a little bit, give you some bonus content. So I'm going to do this today, and it comes from a, an, an article that I saw about an Alabama bill that just went through the Senate. Now, we don't know if this is going to be uh, signed into law yet, but it's a great bill, and I want to talk about the argument about it. In fact, I think the bill is structurally sound. This is the state of Alabama standing up and saying, you know what, we've got federalism. The court is on our side on these issues, and we need to assert our sovereignty here and defend the people of Alabama. And I applaud the Senate, particularly the senator, and I'll talk about who it is who presented this bill, and took the proper steps to ensure that the people of Alabama are protected from unconstitutional federal gun grabs. So this is a—look, when we talk about thinking locally and acting locally, there's all kinds of ways to do this. I mean, look, the left— Likes to do it with things like uh, drug legalization and other things. The right looks at gun issues. All these things are federal issues, federal issues of federalism. Right? These are all issues that should be handled in the states, anyways. California should be able to be California, and Alabama should be able to be Alabama. It doesn't mean everybody's going to like it in these states. Doesn't mean that if you're a conservative in California, you're gonna like the way the states operate or that state operates. If you're a leftist in Alabama, doesn't mean you're gonna like the way the state operates here. But you know what? There's something you can do. You can move. Now, we can't leave. I mean, you could leave the, the, the United States and go somewhere else. A lot of people are expatriating out of the United States, but that's a much more difficult process and costly. And most people don't have that ability. Even moving from state to state can be challenging, right? You gotta think about jobs and schools and other things. All that stuff is hard. And this is why, you know, financial independence, some of those things are important for people. If you can do it, it's very hard to do. If you can't do it, I mean that's that's okay too. You just gotta work within the structure that you have and try to improve your local community and your household. Those are important things to do. But I like this bill because it actually answers some of the objections. Now, I'm gonna read an article about it, and then I'm gonna look at the bill because you read the article, you don't get the full, you don't get to digest the bill fully and how it's, it's very sound on the legal side of it. So this is uh, from the Yellowhammer News, which is a great website if you're in Alabama, Yellowhammer News. Montgomery, the Alabama Senate on Thursday passed SB 358, which would create the Alabama Second Amendment Preservation Act. Sponsored by Senator Gerald Allen of Tuscaloosa, the bill would outlaw state and local governments, including law enforcement agencies thereof, from enforcing any Federal Firearms Act, law, order, rule, or regulation that becomes effective after January 1, 2021. The bill, the party line vote by the Senate was 22 to 5. So five people voted against it, 22 for it in the state of Alabama. Now think about what it just said, and I'm going to get into this with the bill. The bill would outlaw state and local governments, but law enforcement agencies, from enforcing any Federal Firearms Act, law, order, rule, or regulation. It doesn't say it's going to prohibit federal law enforcement agencies from doing this. If the federal government wants to send in the ATF or the FBI or the CIA or whoever they want to send in here, what's the matter, of you federal federal government person? It doesn't say they can't do that. What it does is say the state resources are not going to be used to enforce federal law. Now, in some ways, this is a paper tiger uh, because when you look at a gun shop or something like that these people have to deal directly with the fbi so your background checks and all those things yeah i mean it's um that stuff is still going to go on because there's if you're operating a gun shop if you're involved in that you're going to be regulated by the federal government in some ways so it's difficult but and, and if biden uh follows through and has this tax that he wants to place on firearms and I mean, now that's going to be something that's an individual. This is the federal government operating on individuals. But what, what Alan is saying is that we're not going to use any federal resources to do it. If you want to come in and uh, try to round up people, then you're going to have to send in your own, your own law enforcement. And the, there's a key to this, and I'll talk about it when I get to the bill, and there's a key why this is actually pretty important. I took an oath of office when sworn to this body to defend the constitution of this country and this state, stated Allen. As an elected official, I will do everything in my power to preserve the rights of Alabamians, especially those granted by the Second Amendment, and I will always push back on any proposals that seek to limit the freedoms bestowed upon us. The Alabama Second Amendment Preservation Act ensures the people of Alabama are protected from any unnecessary overreach by the federal government and is meant to be a check on proposals that infringe on our right to self-defense Coming from the Biden administration or the Democratic-controlled Congress, he continued. SB 358 is about safeguarding our God-given rights to protect our families and homes. The Second Amendment says the right to bear arms should not be infringed upon, and with this piece of legislation, Alabamians can feel confident that their rights are being protected. Now, the other part of this that is not brought up is that it, it says that if anything is manufactured in the state of Alabama, then that would be free from federal regulation. Any firearms manufactured in the state of Alabama, this is another key part of the bill, and I like this part too because this is getting into the interstate commerce part of this. The federal government really can only regulate firearms if they cross state lines. So if uh, you know, somebody's buying a Winchester rifle and it comes from out of state into Alabama, well, then that can be regulated. But if we're going to manufacture these here in this state, well, you can't touch it because it's manufactured in this state. It's not subject the federal regulation then. That's one part of it. The other is the non-commandeering part, which I'll talk about in a minute. Senate Minority Leader Bobby Singleton, Democrat Greensboro, and Senator Roger Smitherman, Democrat Birmingham, argued that SB 358 would violate the supremacy clause. Of course, because these people have no clue what they're talking about. And I'm going to get into the Twitter. Th- was, this was live tweeted as they were going through it. I think it was uh, Singleton said that... Um, let me, get in, let, me, let, me, let me get into that, what he said, which is absolutely hilarious. Singleton, this is unconstitutional because of the Supremacy Clause. The Second Amendment already protects gun rights when it comes to constitutionality. This bill actually do, doesn't do any real harm, but it sets a bad precedent. There are children that are dying at the hands of these weapons. I've introduced a bill to ban assault weapons. Black, white, and green folks are dying at the hands of guns. We had a few Martians come into town. I mean, this is how ridiculous the, the rhetoric here is. Green folks. This is about nothing, he said. We're going to waste legal fees offending this unconstitutional bill. Uh, but, I mean, ridiculous, right? So... What's going on here is these people are opposing it because they think it's going to violate the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. The Supremacy Clause only applies to laws that are made in pursuance thereof. And you can't find, you can't find anybody in the founding generation that would suggest that laws that regulating firearms are made in pursuance of the Constitution. Now, Unless they are telling people how to be armed. The general government actually prescribed in the late 18th century that men had to have a firearm and a certain amount of powder and ammunition because they were in the militia. So they could arm you, but they cannot disarm you. And by regulating firearms in this particular way, you are disarming people. Now, the states can do this all day if they want to. This is something I've said over and over again. If California wants to have strict gun control legislation... It can do it. We can argue whether that's good or bad, but it can certainly do it. Now, we know the Supreme Court is waiting on this with a couple of rulings that incorporate the Second Amendment against the states, essentially. And so this becomes an issue with California. But the fact is that if you follow a real federalism model, well, then uh, the certainly the state of California, the state of Massachusetts can regulate firearms and the state of Alabama can have a very open state when it comes to firearms. That's how federalism is supposed to work. This is what Madison talked about over and over again in the federalist essays. If you just want to rely on those, and in fact, the bill brings up the federalist essays. Let me go back to the story. We don't need a Second Amendment Preservation Act in the state of Alabama, said Singleton. The Constitution does that already. Well, of course, he's talking about incorporation, but he wouldn't agree with that if it wasn't for that Supreme Court ruling. He noted the bill really does no harm before he adding that it does not like the measure, uh, message it sends. So, let's look at the bill. I'm going to go through the first part of this particular bill. And it, it's written well. So, being enacted by the legislature of Alabama, this act shall be known as the, and may be cited as the Alabama Second Amendment Preservation Act, the legislature finds and declares all the following. One. The Second Amendment to the United States Constitution protects an individual's right to keep and bear arms and further provides that the right to keep and bear arms may not be infringed. It is the intent of the legislature to protect Alabama employees, including law enforcement officers, from being directed through federal executive orders, agency orders, statutes, laws, rules, or regulations that violate their oath of office and individual rights affirmed under the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, and section twenty-six of the Alabama Constitution. Okay, so they need to get into the, the Alabama Constitution of 1901. Pursuant to, and in furtherance of the principles of federalism enshrined in the United States Constitution, the federal government may not commandeer the state's officers, agents, or employees to participate in the enforcement or facilitation of any federal program not expressly required by the United States Constitution. I mean, this is true. The Supreme Court has ruled in this case, and they actually bring up the cases. The right to be free from the commandeering hand of the federal government has been most notably recognized by the United States Supreme Court in Prince v. United States, 1997, when the court held, quote, the federal government may neither issue directives requiring the states to address particular problems nor command the states' officers or those of their political subdivisions to administer or enforce a federal regulatory program. This is 100% true. And then he brings up Federalist 46. Federalist 46 is an awesome essay. Okay, and it's an awesome essay because essentially Madison outlines nullification. That's what he does in it. And the Virginia Resolves of 1798 are essentially built off of Federalist 46. The anti-commandeering principles recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court and Prince are predicated upon the advancement, I'm sorry, the advice of James Madison, who in the Federalist number 46 argued for a refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union when faced with unconstitutional federal measures or constitutional but unpopular federal measures. So, right at the beginning, you've got anti-commandeering, you've got originalism in this, you've got, the, you've got an issue with the Constitution, you've got, I mean, this is good stuff. You've got the Alabama Constitution. This bill is written well. Notwithstanding any provision of law, to the contrary, no public funds of the state or any political subdivision of the state may be allocated for the implementation, regulation, or enforcement of any executive order or directive issued by the President of the United States nor of any act of the United States Congress that becomes effective after January 1, 2021, that regulates the ownership, use, or possession of firearms, ammunition, or firearm accessories. All right, so there you go. It says we're not going to spend any money to do anything to enforce these laws. Notwithstanding any provision of law, to the contrary, no property of the state or any political subdivision of the state shall be allocated for the implementation, regulation, or enforcement of any executive order or directive issued by the President of the United States or any act of the United States Congress. That becomes effective after January 21. That regulates the ownership, use, or possession of firearms, ammunition, or firearm accessories. So say this now. uh, Any appointed or elected official officer, employer, agent of the state, or any political subdivision of the state who knowingly violates this section on a first violation shall be guilty of a Class C misdemeanor and shall be fined not less than $500 or more than $5,000. An appointed or elected f- official, officer, employee, and agent of the state or any political subdivision who normally violates the section on a second or subsequent violation shall be guilty of a Class B misdemeanor, and you get $1,000 or $7,000. Section 3. Upon the adoption of, this rule, of a rule, order, ordinance, resolution, or any official policy by a political subdivision of the state which intentionally requires actions that violate Section 2, a resident of the state may file a complaint with the Attorney General. If the Attorney General de- determines that a complaint filed under Subdivision 1 is valid, the Attorney General may petition the court to compel compliance with the act. Upon finding the political subdivision is in violation of Section 2, the court shall award the Attorney General reasonable expenses incurred in obtaining relief. Following the year in which, the, which a final judicial determination in, in an action brought under this section is made that the political subdivision has intentionally required actions that violate Section 2, all state grant funds for the political subdivision shall be denied for the fiscal year. So that's pretty, I mean, that's some good teeth right there. You're knocking out some funds for the state. And then the legislature finds and declares all the, these are declarations by the legislature. And I like this. The 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees to the states and the people all powers not granted to the federal government elsewhere in the United States Constitution and reserves to the state of Alabama and its people certain powers as they are understood at the time that Alabama was admitted to statehood in 1819. And the guarantee of these powers is a matter of contract between the state of Alabama and its people and the United States as of the time that the compact with the United States was agreed upon and adopted by Alabama in the United States in 1819. So going back, you're going to 1819, that's when Alabama became a state. So you're saying this is how it was understood in 1819. That's looking at an originalist argument to an extent. The Ninth Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees that the people rights not granted in the United States Constitution reserves of the people of Alabama certain rights as they were understood at the time Alabama was admitted into statehood. And the guarantee of these rights is a matter of contract between the state of Alabama and its people and the United States at the time they became a state, 1819. Section 3, the power to regulate interstate commerce is vested in the several states on the 9th and 10th Amendments of the United States Constitution. Intrastate commerce, not interstate, intrastate commerce. So because the government can regulate intrastate commerce, and Barron v. Baltimore is very clear on this, doesn't pass state lines, it's intrastate commerce. Now, I know the Supreme Court, well, you're going to get into other Supreme Court cases. Well, they've, they've kind of overdone Barron v. Baltimore, but yet this is still a legal issue. As Joe Biden says, no, no amendment is absolute. No Supreme Court case is absolute. None of this is absolute. This is true in a way. Amendments can be overturned, Supreme Court cases can be overturned. The Second Amendment of the United States Constitution reserves to the people the right to keep and bear arms, as that right was understood at the time that Alabama was admitted to statehood in 1819. As used in this section, the following terms shall have the following. Firearm accessory, they give you those, uh, generic and insignificant part, and in the state. An item that is manufactured in this state from basic materials and without the inclusion of any part imported from another state other than a generic and insignificant part, which they define as Laser sight, magazine, flash or sound suppressor, folding or aftermarket stock and grip, speed loader, ammunition carrier, and light for target illumination. Spring, screw, nut, and pin. Those things are insignificant parts. As long as you can import those things. Notwithstanding the foregoing a firearm is manufactured in the state if it is manufactured as described in the preceding sentence without regard to whether a firearm accessory or ammunition imported into the state from another state is attached to or used in conjunction with it. The term includes manufacturing includes forging, casting, machining, or any other process used for working a material. Subject to subsection E, a firearm or firearm accessory or ammunition that is commercially or privately manufactured in Alabama, that is sold in Alabama and that remains within the borders of Alabama, is not subject to federal law or regulation, including registration under the authority of the United States Congress to regulate interstate commerce as the item is not traveled in interstate commerce. So, I mean, this is, this is good stuff. It has to have Made in Alabama clearly stamped on it to fit. And I like this. I like that they're actually getting into, getting into this idea of prohibiting the federal government from working within the Interstate Commerce Clause to somehow regulate firearms that are manufactured in a state. We could apply this to just about anything right? that's manufactured in a state. It doesn't have to be a firearm. It could be, could be a desk. Well, that should be free from federal regulation because you manufactured it in the state. Anything manufactured in the state should be free from federal oversight because it's manufactured in the state and made with items in the state. And it says an attorney general should defend a resident of the state whom the federal government attempts to prosecute, claiming the power to regulate interstate commerce for a violation of a federal law or regulation concerning the manufacture, sale, transfer, or possession of firearms, ammunition, or firearm accessories manufactured and retained in this state. And there are some exceptions to this. A firearm that cannot be carried and used by one person. So you can't have a cannon, right? A firearm that has bore diameter greater than one and a half inches and it uses smokeless power and not black powder as a propellant. Ammunition with a projectile that explodes using an explosion of chemical energy after the projectile leaves the firearm. A firearm that discharges two or more projectiles with one activation of the trigger or other firing device. So, I mean, again, there are things that are prohibited still. Um, and then... Section 5 says the following federal acts, laws, ex- ex- executive orders, administrative orders, court orders, rules, and regulations shall be considered infringements on the people's right to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution within the borders of the state, including but not limited to all the following. Any tax, levy, fee, or stamp imposed on firearms, ammunition, or firearm accessories not common to all the goods and services and might reasonably expected to create a chilling effect on the purchase or ownership of those items by law-abiding residents of the state. Now, this is the part that, eh, this is going to operate on gun shops. So not a state agency, but a gun shop. And this is one that's going to be hard to get by. Right? So non-commandeering is great. You could look at the Alabama manufactured weapons as fitting, but when you start getting to other stuff, now you're going to run into some problems. Any registration or tracking of firearms, ammunition or firearm accessories that might reasonably expect it to create a chilling effect on the purchase, et cetera. This is background checks, but you go right to the FBI for those things. So again, I don't know how they're going to—this this may not work well with a constitutional situation. But, I mean, it's, it's worth a shot. Any registration or tracking of the owners of firearms, any act forbidding the possession, ownership, or use or transfer of a firearm— any act ordering the confiscation of firearms, any federal act, law, executive order, administrative order, court order, rule, or regulation that infringes on a person's right to keep and bear arms as provided under subsection A, shall be void and of no effect in this state. Now, I would argue, of course, and I have argued, that all federal firearm legislation is unconstitutional. All of it. All of it. Unless they're going to say you have to have a firearm. It's all unconstitutional. The states regulate this stuff. So, I mean, I agree with this in principle. But how is it going to work with non-commandeering when you're talking about a gun shop or a private sale or something like that? You know, it's got a gun show when you have to fill out all the paperwork and everything to get a firearm. And this is this is where these things are going to be different. So the FBI could come in and shut down your gun shop uh, and the state won't do it. The state resources won't be used to do it. The state police, any of that won't be used, but... What about the FBI? So, I mean, this is getting into a point now they're nullifying. This is nullifying federal gun control legislation. So this would have to go to courts, and I think the Democrats are saying, yeah, I mean, this is going to have to be tied up in court at some point. Um, but, you know, arguing on the supremacy clause doesn't really work here because, I, I mean, you can make a case that all federal firearms legislation is unconstitutional. So this is going to be interesting. I think that this law is pretty good. Uh, I think it's... Um, I think it's a a decent attempt to try to rein in unconstitutional federal acts when it comes to firearms. And again, you could apply this to all kinds of things. And you know, the left has done it with some things that they think are near and dear to their heart. So this is a this is a reaffirmation of federalism. And I like that. And I think that's an important part of this. Okay. So again, this is a bonus episode of the Brian McClanahan Show for the week. I got three in this week. Normally I'm only right now I'm only doing two. I might get back to doing more. Uh, But right now, just two. So this is the third for this week. Also check out the Abbeville Institute podcast, which I do every week as well. So you can always get that extra podcast too. That's over at abbevilleinstitute.org, A-B-B-E-V-I-L-L-E, Abbeville institute.org, if you want to catch that as well. All right, I'll see you next time with the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.